Well, tonight is Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. As Pastor Matt mentioned earlier, we have 49 days until the One Association. This is going to be, and it happens to be seven weeks. Huh. We have 49 days until the One Association meeting, and it's going to be absolutely incredible. The pastors of all the churches, the elders of all the churches are daily interacting with each other, talking about this. We're in prayer. We are fasting about this. We are thinking about what the Lord is putting before us and what we must achieve during the One Association Conference. The Stevens are going to be home in 10 days. They're making an incredible impact there with the Brassos at Ihad to Peru. They're having an incredible time there. But what I want to talk to you tonight about, the title of our sermon tonight is White Hot. Somebody say White Hot. hot. Turn to Isaiah chapter 37 as we jump right into the word. Isaiah chapter 37, and we are going to begin in verse 30. Somebody say there when you're there. There. That was about 40% of us. Say there when you are there. It says this, this will be a sign for you. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Is it, this is going to be an oat. This is going to be a sign for you, O Hezekiah. And I want to remind you that this is a passage of scripture that you should be very familiar with here at LCM. This was a passage of scripture that began 2019 for us as a church. It was given to us. We reviewed it. We talked about it. We continue to go over it for about the month of January. So as I'm beginning this, this will be a sign for you, church. This year you will eat what grows by itself. And the second year, what springs from that? But in the third year, sow and reap. Somebody say sow and reap. reap. Yeah, there's a time that you can be here and just eating what has been put before you. You just get to like a buffet of godliness. You just get to walk up because somebody else did the preparation. But at some point for you to mature in God, for it to be a sign to you, you know what you got to start doing? You got to start sowing and reaping with what God has put in your hands. Plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Come on, what kind of fruit are you eating from, church? What fruit are you producing in your life, church? That's what you're supposed to be eating from. Once more, a remnant of the house of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above because that's the only way that this can happen. You've got to get your roots down deep so that you can bear fruit above. Look at verse 32, because this is where I want to get to. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. Somebody say remnant. And out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. You realize that's supposed to be us, right? The remnant, the band of survivors. This is a, a parallelism in the Bible, church. We're saying Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. The next phrase is meant to be the exact same thing, but just to reiterate it in your heart. Out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors, a small group of people who are going to be a band of survivors, a band of victors, a band of brothers in this place. We spent an entire series at the beginning of the year talking about this. But I want to focus on the last phrase of this verse. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, out of all the things that could be said here in the scripture, the power of the Lord will accomplish this. I would have totally been ready for that. The spirit of the Lord will accomplish this. Yes, amen. What the verse says is it is the zeal of the Lord that will accomplish this task 
of allowing you to have roots that go deep and bear fruit above. For you to come out as a remnant, as a band of survivors from God's holy presence. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Come on, tonight we're going to be talking about the zeal of the Lord and what we need in this. Amen? Guys, to grab hold of this tonight, we are going to have to dig deeper than we've been tonight yet. We're going to have to dig deeper into the ground, into the soil of our heart than we've been thus far tonight. We're going to have to go deeper in this to figure out what it means for us to get God's zeal at work inside of our hearts. His zeal in us is going to accomplish what He's promised for us this year. His zeal is going to do that. We have to dig deeper, church. We're going to go straight to Numbers 25 and we're going to look what this potentially looks like in our lives. What this looks like inside of each one of us. Turn to Numbers 25. We're going to start in verse 11. Phinehas. Son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites. What does it mean to turn God's anger away? What does it mean to turn God's wrath away from somebody that you love? From a family member? To turn God's wrath away from an entire nation? What what does it take to turn God's wrath away? From a nation, his chosen nation, his promised nation. For he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them. So that in my zeal, I did not put an end to them. Therefore, tell him, I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood, because he was zealous for the house of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. You see, Phinehas was willing to do what no one else around him was willing to do. This wasn't something that was done in the dark. This wasn't something that was done in a corner somewhere. What Phinehas did in his zeal for the name of God, in his zeal for the character of God to be raised up and lifted high. What he did was in front of everyone. So that everyone can see. Hey, I see the compromise. But I will not stand for this. Because I stand for God. I am a priest in God's house. And I stand for His character. And I will stand up for His name. This stops now. Does somebody in the house of God have this kind of zeal for the name and the character of God tonight? Let me tell you something. If you ask God, if you seek God, if you cry out to God for this kind of zeal, He gives it freely. He gives it to His saints. He gives it to His priesthood. He gives it to His people. You've been chosen. You've been set apart. You've been sanctified. You are being purified. He will give you His zeal. Look at verse 13. He and His descendants, somebody say descendants, descendants, will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because He was zealous for the honor of His God and made atonement for the Israelites. You see, Phinehas' zeal didn't just affect Him. 
It didn't just affect his wife. It didn't just affect his immediate children. God said, because he was zealous for my name, as zealous as I am, I'm going to bless him through the generations. I'm going to give him a blessing that lasts through his generations. A blessing that generation, generation, his grand, 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 grandson is still going to feel as he grows up. This is the kind of blessing that I'm going to give Phinehas because he's zealous for my name. Church, you're not going to be able to reach a thousand generations unless you are as zealous for the name of the Lord as he is. Come on, think about that for a second. We're not asking you to be uh, loud. We're not just asking you to be excited. We're asking you to be zealous as the Lord is. For you to find out what He thinks about things and be as zealous for it. See, the precursor to this part of the verse that we read is that God had said, when people are doing this, you must put it into them. Phinehas said, yes, Lord, I hear you. I will do it. And he had a lasting priesthood that was promised to him By covenant from God. Come on now. How zealous are you in this house today? Oh, I'm zealous, Pastor. Are you as zealous for the name of the Lord as He is? My God, I need to be more zealous today. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. We are unashamedly trying to move you tonight. We want to move every man and every woman in this room tonight. That no one will be left in a place of neutrality. You will be pushed towards being zealous for the name of the Lord. Because this is the standard that we have. It is the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish what He's promised. You want to try it in your own strength? You go right ahead. You will fail by next week. You want to have something that lasts to the generations? Be as zealous as God himself. Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 20. Look at this, tucked away. If you're somebody like Rick, I automatically think about Rick studying through Nehemiah. I remember him teaching me this, and now I get to share it with you. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabiah, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Do you know what... Nehemiah chapter 3 is doing, it's telling you who is working on rebuilding the wall. And in the midst of everyone that it lists, it lists dozens of people. It says something special about Baruch. He zealously repaired the wall. Now wait a minute. Everybody was doing the work. Everybody. They worked as one single man. They had one heart and worked for the presence of God. But there was something special about this one man. Whose name means blessed, by the way. His name means blessed. Anybody in this room feel blessed? You should. You should feel blessed from the heavens. See, and what he did was he zealously repaired. I don't even know what that would look like. To zealously repair a wall. But he had some intensity about him. He had a fire up on the inside of him. He was not just hot. He got white hot in the very presence of God. Let me tell you something. Being zealous for the Lord is not a matter of your station in life. It's not a matter of the IQ points that you came into this world possessing. It's not about your background It's not about where you live, because to be zealous puts us all on equal footing. 
Because you can be as zealous as you want to be. You can be as zealous as you ask God to help you be. If that's the case, if there are no special people, that it's just easier for them to get zealous than it is for you. Come on now, what does that mean for us? It means that the level of your zealousness is actually showing the level of your commitment to the Lord. How zealous are you today? Can he tell us a word on Sunday and we forget it by Wednesday? Are we so ruled by our emotions that when difficulty comes, you start crashing. You forget about the zealousness. You abandon it. You hit the panic button and run the other way. Now, I'm not just going to pick on those of you who have an emotional bent in the room. I'll pick on the rest of you too. You want to think your way right out of zealousness. You get nervous because of the requirement of zealousness to go all in. And so you start trying to think your way out of it. Be like Baruch. Zealously repair what God has put before you. Go after it. Make a mark in this generation that will last for the generations. You got to get after this today, church. You got to get white hot with what you're doing in your life. Not just one day. Not just one hour while you're here, but every day, all day, for the rest of your days. you got to get after this, church. Man, what, what would it have been like if you were the guy working next to Baruch and his family? What, what would it have looked like if you looked over to your right and you saw Baruch and he was just getting after it, man? Wouldn't that not inspire you? Like, come on, family. Let's go. Come on. Wife, children, follow me. Watch how zealously I can work for God. Watch how zealously I can go after. How passionately I can do the work he's called me to. I will see it to completion. Guys, there's, there are things that the Lord's told you that are undone. How could we do it? How could we be in this state? Go zealously, see it to completion. We can't leave his words undone in our lives. If you've got the last thing he told you and it's still not completed, if you don't feel his affirmation on it yet, then by all means, stop whatever else you're doing and go and get it done with a zealousness. Amen. Go to Psalm 119 with us. Psalm 119 and verse 139 is under this awesome Hebrew letter, Tzadeh. It, it, it resembles a trail. It's meaning a journey, a chase, or a hunt. 139 says, my zeal wears me out. Somebody say, I'm worn out. I'm worn out. Okay. None of us should be having sleep problems if we're zealous for God. Look, if you're having problems sleeping at night, if you're pro having problems staying up, what you need is not a sleeping pill. What you need is not X, Y, and Z. Whatever you're doing, what you need is to be worn out by your zeal for what the Lord has called you to do. Because this guy, this writer, his zeal for God was wearing him out. And I guarantee he slept like a baby at night. And it was God's blessing on his life because he was zealous after him. Hey, Nick, I, I, I want to give one little thing to that. We're just going to have fun tonight. We're just going to do this right. Another way to interpret my zeal wears me out is that my zeal has consumed me. 
See, you're not worn out until you've been consumed by something. To the end, brought to the end of who you are, that every available ounce has been consumed with the very zeal of God. Come on, get worn out in zeal. For my enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. Yes. And your servant loves them. Man, isn't that incredible after reading about somebody like Phinehas? God's promises have been thoroughly tested. And in our own lives, sitting here in this church, God's promises have been thoroughly tested time and time again. We love what God has promised us. Do not let your love for His promises in your life steal your hunger for zeal in your life. Do not let what He's already spoken and what is going to pass steal the zeal and the fervor and the ravished desire to go after it and to get it. It takes one and two in order to get what God has promised you. You cannot do it one without the other. It's not possible. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59, and we're going to start in verse 16. <laughs> Isaiah 59, 16, it says this. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. See, is it, I mean, if you just think back to a second about Phinehas. Phinehas was honored because he had the same zeal as the Lord did for the honor of God's name. And what did Phinehas do? He intervened. He, in, he upheld justice and righteousness and stood with God even though no one else would. He stood righteously. What is this passage saying? He saw that there was no one. God was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. Listen to this in verse 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. And then the helmet of salvation on his head. He put garments of vengeance upon and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Can, are you getting this picture? Man, I can see a, a warrior suiting up for battle. Fine, I will put my breastplate of righteousness on. My helmet of salvation. I'm ready to go after this. I got vengeance that I'm wearing. But over all of that, the cloak that's going to go around everything else I'm wearing, the thing that you will see when I am a long way off is my zeal. I will be cloaked in zeal. Come on, what are you cloaked in today? What are you wearing upon you? What do you have that is engulfing your life? Could you say that it was zeal? That's the problem, isn't it? Unless you are just far from the Lord in this moment, the issue isn't whether you want to have zeal. The issue is whether you have zeal. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Helmet of salvation, garments of vengeance, and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. My God, you could put on a lot of things to wear. 
Colossians says that we can be clothed with compassion, with humility. Put on love that binds them all together. And you know what the Lord adds to that? Put on zeal as the cloak. Man, have all of those things there. But the thing that engulfs it all, the thing that's on the outside of it all, is zeal for Him. Not saying that you have zeal. Demonstrating that you have zeal. A kind of zeal that doesn't wane, that doesn't increase or decrease depending on your day. We have zeal for the Lord, Pastor. Really? The Lord is stirring us tonight. The Lord is moving and saying, man, it's not enough that you can know these scriptures. What are you doing with it? Are you getting dominated by your thoughts? Are you getting dominated by your circumstances? Then wake up and put on zeal as a cloak. Because it's his zeal working in you that will accomplish everything that he said. Come on, man. We got to get this right in this house tonight. You see, I, I have a feeling that a lot of us are in a very, very similar situation to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're all going to turn there together and we're going to read this together. This is going to help us tonight, guys. This word right now is showing you and is showing me exactly where we are. It's showing us exactly where we need to be. And I guarantee it's going to show us how to get there tonight. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it, all of us. Not one sitting in the back in a corner. All of us are going to go after the zeal of the Lord. All of us are going to ask to be cloaked with God's zeal in our own personal lives. Are you in 1 Kings chapter 19? Look at verse 13. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. See, the truth is, I've seen most of you in this room be zealous for the Lord at one time or another. I've seen it just like Elijah. At one time or another, he was very zealous for God. The way that he stood up for God's name is absolutely astounding. And I've seen that in a lot of you in here. But it's not enough to be zealous yesterday. It's not enough to go run to a place of comfort and mourn and feel sorry for yourself. God's mercy came to Elijah and asked him, what are you doing in this state? Hey, you're called to be filled with my zeal. You're called to be filled with a knowledge of who I am and acting with my zeal and my power where you go. I'm going to help you here. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. You see, sometimes 
When you get distracted from what the Lord actually told you to do, your zeal starts to wane. Your zeal starts to slowly wane. And we don't recognize it. We don't recognize that we're not the same zealous, passionate, full of God's power and strength and direction man that we were yesterday. We don't recognize it until we get faced. Until we get face to face with what the Word says about putting God's zeal on like a cloak. Getting face to face about what the Word says about Phinehas having the zeal of God and standing up for his name in a very public kind of way. We forget until we're face to face with the Word and then all of a sudden we understand. We're distracted with the things that God didn't actually say because look, God's zeal is for the things that he told you to do. God gave Elijah very specific instructions. Go and do them, Elijah, and my zeal for my name will be with you because you are doing these things in representation of my name. If you feel less than zealous tonight, then it's time to get in God's will. If you feel less than zealous tonight, it's time to get in your mezuzah and stay there. If you're feeling less than zealous tonight, it's time for a fresh word from God and to go do it until it's done. This is the night to get it done, church. Look at verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And threw his cloak around him. You see, when you correct your position with God, when you correct your deeds, when you realign yourself with God's word, your zeal permeates the generations. It permeates the generation after you. It testifies to your children and their children's children. It rests on them like a cloak. God's zeal was like a cloak that he wrapped himself in. Elijah's zeal was like a cloak that Elisha got to wrap himself in and operate in that zeal for reaching a thousand generations. Then this is the way to do it, church. Come on, turn with us to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 6. See, you may have thought that Elijah had some, that there was something special about the cloak. What made the cloak special was the man who was wearing it. Was the man that went after deed, after deed, after deed of what the Lord told him to do. It made it full of zeal. There's no magic formula to this church. We can't just close our eyes or click our heels together and get back where we want to be. You got to go after it. You got to decide that you're going to be wrapped in the cloak of his zeal that you might accomplish what God has put on you to do. God, what a legacy. Then you get to throw it on the next generation and teach them how to use it. Oh, all right. I warmed it up for you. Come on. It's nice and comfy. I know this one will fit on you. Because it fit on me and it's going to do the same thing in you. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Like the roar of rushing waters. And like loud peals of thunder. Now, what was causing the loud peals of thunder? What was causing the loud rushing waters? 
the multitude saying the following. Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. And give Him glory. See, when we're singing a song called Make His Praise Glorious, man, we like it. Goodness gracious, Peyton and the team did an incredible job. His praise is already glorious. You can't make His name any more glorious. The truth is, is the reason you like that is for just a second, we actually start to believe it. We actually get the recognition. We go, wait a minute. He's glorious. Oh, hey, 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 everybody. He's glorious. And it starts to move this entire room. Why? Because you are aligning yourself with the truth of what He is. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. You downcast in the room today? You want to come to the altar and get in the, the crash position? It says to be glad and rejoice. Give Him glory. Why? Because He is due all of it. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Didn't click her heels. Didn't close her eyes and wish for it. She made herself ready for Him. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous and zealous acts of the saints. She put on a cloak that made her the most beautiful thing that has ever been, the bride of Christ. What is your cloak like tonight, folks? Is it white with righteous deeds? Or is it tarnished? The Lord is trying to get our attention in this church. What else does He need to say to us? If He says nothing else to us ever, we still would say, Hallelujah! Our God is glorious. And He speaks to us every day, if we'll but listen. He moves upon us every day. There are prophecies during worship every time to move our hearts and remind us. What happens, though, if we walk in with the cloak of zeal already upon us? Wow. Pastor, we need to come in and kind of shake everything off. Yeah, not if you're wearing the cloak of zeal. We're going to enter His gates with thanksgiving. We're going to enter His courts with praise. What does that mean? You already had it before you got here. Your people anointed to walk in His power. Not moved by every wind of doubt that comes into your mind. As if we serve some impotent, weak, sissified God that we have to wonder if He can help us today. I mean, I know He helped us yesterday, but I'm a little nervous about today. Shame on us. Are your garments white in that case? Or have they become discolored by your own doubt, by your own fear? Ladies, do you know why 1 Peter 3 says to focus on doing what is right and not giving way to fear? Do you know why? It's because it's easy to not do what is right and give way to fear. Don't even get me started with you fellows, though. Every time we're going forward, we start to do something and it gets difficult and you want to pull back. You want to shrink back. 
We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who are going to press in and be full of the zeal of the Lord and accomplish what He said. Come on, we got to get the right attitude. we got to get the right heart in this place. What can stop you? Nothing. What do you lack? Nothing. Man, we just got to be white hot with the very presence of God in our lives. We have to turn to Romans 12, 11. Oh. We have to do it. I know you were waiting for it. We have to do it. Come on, somebody say there when you get there. Somebody say there. Come on, do I hear a zealous voice in God's house tonight? You see, I know. I know that I hear a zealous voice because this verse says never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I know that you can. Not just because I've seen you before, but because God's word commands it. If God's word commands it, that means that we can, church. It means that he wants us to. It's not just that it's possible. It's that he's waiting for us to ask for it. He's waiting for us to say, God, I want to be wrapped up in zeal for your name like a cloak. I want it to wrap around me. I want your name to be like a fire in my bones, God. God, would you help me? Would you fill me with your zeal? Would you help me to represent you well, God? You see, when we do that, he does it. He wants to do it. He wants that for us. This, this word here, your spiritual fervor, that word fervor, the Greek word zeo, it means to burn white hot, like to wrap yourself in a garment of righteous deeds, as if God's zeal at work in your life is the very thing that causes you to be able to do the righteous acts that he's called you to do. You're wrapped up in his zeal and you are absolutely enabled in that moment to be able to do the things that you've been failing at so far. You see, maybe zeal is the thing. Maybe zeal is the linchpin in your life that you've been missing. You see, you know what to do, but you have no desire to do it. Ask God for His zeal. Ask God for His name to be manifest in your life. Ask God for His power and say, God, I want to represent Your name the way that it's supposed to be represented. I want to look like You. I want to be wrapped up in Your zeal like a garment that nobody can recognize the old me anymore. It's just Your name on my shoulders wrapped around me. That's what we're going to get tonight. Amen. That's what we're going to get tonight. Come on. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 17. Galatians 4.17 says this. True, these teachers are zealous for you. But their motives are not good. They want to separate you from us so that you will become zealous for them. Come on, what is trying to separate you from a true zealousness for God in this place? There are things that are working against you. These teachers are zealous for you. Boy, there's, there's some zealousness, all right. But it's going in the wrong direction. It's trying to separate you. It's trying to pull you from what God has clearly spoken to you. Come on, what are you really zealous for? What are you really zealous about in this place? 
What are you really zealous for? I'm zealous. No, you're just loud. I'm really zealous. No, you're just being forceful in the natural realm. Trying to show someone else how spiritual you are. Wow. If I'm worried about what my brother thinks of me, and so I want to position myself rightly so that I look good, how is that zealousness for the name of the Lord? How is that not zealousness for your own name's sake? Come on, what's separating you from true zealousness right now? Is it the thoughts of how accomplished you already are? If it, is it comparison with someone else? Proverbs 19.2, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. I rarely lie when I preach. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Zeal without knowledge. What are we talking about here? Proverbs 23.17 says this, Do not let your heart envy sinners. I think there's a passage that says something about envy and selfish ambition. That where you find those things, you find disorder and every evil practice. Come on, church. Anybody ever looked at the, looked at the wicked and, man, why do they have it so easy? And we have to, why is there always this push in our church to do more? It's because our king is worth it. It's because there's only one way to do it and it has to be all out. But see, it can't be enough that you were all out yesterday because there's things that are zealously trying to pull you away from this. What if it's not the enemy's real intent in your life to try to kill you? Just go with me just for a second. What if he doesn't have to worry about killing you? What if he can just distract you off of the way just enough where you're no longer a threat? What if he just needs to bump you off course? All the while, while you're saying that you're doing it right, all he needs to do is just, just lean on you while you're walking and hopefully get you to take a couple of steps to the wrong direction. See, the zeal for the Lord will keep you in the right place. It will keep you on the right track because nothing else will matter to you. The truth is, is maybe we are just too full of ourselves. Maybe we forget that every day we have to be ridiculously desperate for him. No, I got it going pretty good. Uh, today I've got it going pretty good. Wow. I have to be honest with you. Being with Pastor Matt and Pastor Eric and our elders leading this church, it is not unusual for me to be at this altar before a sermon, whether I'm preaching it or not. Saying, Lord, I'm desperate for you. I can't do this by myself. I don't want to do this by myself. I've got to do it the way you're saying, Lord. Make me what I'm supposed to be for them, Lord. Don't let me miss one thing, Lord. They need it. They're your people and they are great people, Lord. I have never gotten in this pulpit and gone, <laughs> y'all sit back and watch this. Do you get in the pulpit of your homes and forget to be zealous for Him? 
Do you think you got this until it starts falling apart? Then you cry out to him? Or are you crying out to him every day saying, God, you've got to help us. We're so thankful for what's going on, but you have got to help us. Where's your desperation? Where is your zeal for the Lord, my friends? We've got to have zeal for Him. We've got to be moved the way He is moved. Look at verse 18 here in this passage. To be zealous is good, provided always that the cause is good. Indeed, whether I am present with you or not, my dear children, I am suffering the pains of childbirth to you all over again. Wait, what? No, wait, wait, wait. I don't know if I understand this. Hang on just a second. I'm suffering the pains like I was birthing you again. What? What does that mean? And this pain of constantly desiring that you be as zealous as I am, that you be as zealous as the Lord is, that causes pain because you can see when it's not happening. Lord, Lord, help them. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. Just help us. We're going to have zeal. We're going to do this because it's up to us. We're not going to rely on our strength. We're going to, we're going to desire His Spirit to so infill us every day and in every way. We're going to get this done. We're going to get it done. And this will go on until the Messiah takes shape in you. What does the Messiah taking shape in you look like? Looks like you having the zeal of the Lord put upon you like a cloak. You put on your breastplate of righteousness. You put on the helmet of salvation. And you wrap yourself in the same zeal that he has. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone of voice. I don't even know what to do with you. What are we supposed to do as your leaders if you're not having a zeal for the Lord? What can we do for you? I don't even know what to do for you. Until you get the zeal of the Lord, because that's going to fix a whole lot of your problems. That's going to enable you to achieve everything that God has. Because when you get white hot, there's nothing that's going to touch you. There's nothing that's going to stop you. Man, this is an incredible thing for us to grasp tonight. Until the Messiah takes shape in you. That shape that the Messiah takes in you is such a zeal for the Lord that you are unstoppable because of His Spirit. Man. Turn to Psalm 69, verse 7. Listen to this. For I endure scorn for your sake. Shame covers my face. I am a stranger to my brothers. An alien to my own mother's sons. For zeal for your house consumes me. And the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Goodness gracious. You know. You know when you are walking in the authentic zeal of God. Because people that have said, yeah, 
that whole Jesus thing, I'm just not interested. They're just not interested in you either. People that have said, oh yeah, I hate Jesus and what he stands for. Well, guess what? They hate you and what you stand for as well. You see, it's real easy to see if you've been zealous for the name of God or not. It's real easy to gauge where you are in this whole Messiah being born and birthed inside of you whole thing. It's real easy to do that. Are you being treated like he is? Are people speaking about you the same way that they would speak about him? Zeal for God's house must consume us. I love you guys because the way that you spur one another and you spur me on with a word like this, I cannot wait to see what the Holy Ghost is going to do with worship on the second side of this word. The anticipation inside of me is literally brimming. I know that the Lord will answer us with fire. I know that he will answer us with a sustaining kind of zeal for his name. I know he's going to do it. His word says it. But count the cost before you ask for it. Are you willing to be treated the way that he was treated? Are you willing to be spoken about the way that he was spoken about? Are you willing to die the same kind of death that he did? If you are, then I invite you to ask God for zeal for his house to consume you. I invite you. Count the cost tonight. Take a look at John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Let's turn and let's look at verse 14. John 2 in verse 14, it says this, In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? How dare you come into the house of God with a zealous approach to everything that he's about? How dare you turn into transactional attitudes? You walking in the house of God at the normal time, doing the normal thing, sitting in the normal seat. How dare you walk into God's house and do that? You get upset when somebody's about to sit in your seat? You laugh. It happens in this church. This church. Not someone somewhere else far off. In this church that happens. A zealous existence as you come into the house of God. Treating lightly that the presence of the Almighty is with us. Coming and peddling your wares. Carrying on business as if you were somewhere else other than God's presence. 
get these out of here. You got to be thinking about this right now, church. What are the things that you just need to get out of here with? I don't mean you leave. I mean you expel these attitudes, these zealous efforts that you've put into the house of God to just show up, to just come. Come when you want to come. I mean, I know there's prayer time before, but we're really not praying. We're just kind of hanging out because it seems that coffee would be a better exercise for us than getting into God's presence. See how easy it is to drift from being zealous for the Lord? God loves us enough that he is speaking to us tonight in an unequivocal manner so that we would cry out for his spirit to come in and fill us. That we might be cloaked in a zeal for the very presence of God tonight. I'm going to tell you that if you have just enough faith tonight, God is going to fill some of you with his Holy Spirit and he's going to do it again for some of you and he's going to do it for the first time for others of you. But what it takes is the attitude that is just like Jesus. You want to know what it looks like to have zeal for the Lord? Let's read the next verse in verse 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. You know what it looks like to have a zeal consume you? You want to get everything out of here that is not full of zeal. You want to expel it right now. Not some other day, not some other time, but right now. That is not good enough for you, Lord. Forgive me. Fill me, Lord. Help me. You get it out of there. You make a whip if you need to. You overturn tables. You offend whoever you need to offend. Because the last thing you can do is offend him. My God, how many times are you worried about offending others and you forget that your entire attitude is completely offensive to God? You go ahead and offend whoever's around you if that's what it takes to not offend the Lord. I know exactly what it looks like to have the zeal for the Lord consume you because I see my Savior that would look like this. Kicking things over. Turning things over and expelling that which did not belong in the very presence of God. If you'll have the faith to do that tonight. If you'll have the faith to say, I'm expelling it all. I'm expelling all my thoughts. I'm expelling all of my zeal-less pursuit of the Lord. He's going to do something in our midst in just a few minutes. We are literally on our last scripture for the night. I have it building inside of me. See, because this is not about how well we preach right now. This is not about us picking the exact right words. It's about us saying, God, we want zeal for you. We'll expel everything else. We'll lay it all down. Just give us your presence. Just cloak us with your zeal, Lord. See, if you're thinking it's about what we're saying, or it's about you saying it just the right way, then you're missing the point and you're still making it about you. God, you will come and meet us. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this in this place tonight. Much less through the generations. What do you need to expel in your own heart tonight? Nothing but zeal for the Lord is worthy of Him 
and is worthy of this church. We're on our last scripture. Our very last scripture. This is not a word paramount to the kind of words that we've been preaching lately. This is something that Pastor Wade and I got together. We prayed, we jotted down some scriptures that were on our hearts, and we compared notes, and we had the same scriptures. We had the same word. God wants this from our church tonight. He wants it. Do you want it like he wants it? Do you want his zeal like he wants you to have his zeal tonight? Is that something that you want? Turn to Ezra chapter 7. I'm going to read these crazy names. You guys, put your zeal into practice right now and focus on what the Scripture is saying. After these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Merioth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher, well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given the king had granted him everything he asked. Do you see that supernatural favor on his life? For the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Stand up with me, church. Come on, stand tall like you're about to receive something from the heavens, because you are. Ezra was the 15th generation from a man that God said, look at that guy's zeal. Look at Phinehas's zeal. Look at what that man is passionate about. While everybody else is passionate about something else, that man is passionate about my name. That man is zealous for my character. So through his generations, my hand will be upon him. Guys, that's our inheritance. That's what's at stake tonight. Raise your hand. Begin to pray in tongues. Come on. Begin to ask God, Lord, make me zealous for you. Mighty God, give me zeal and passion for your name. Father, I don't care what the sacrifice is. You're worth it. You're worth it, mighty God. The generations are worth it. In Jesus' name.